Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week we bring you into the ho- the home and basically the new factory of bootleg guitars. And we are standing here with John Hill. He is the proprietor of all this, basically. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming out to my house where I work. And uh, this know. is cool, man. This is fascinating. <laughs> you already took us on the tour. We're going to take everybody on the tour. Let everybody see what, what's going on here, but he has a super cool thing going on here, and he's actually kind of like like we were saying, you've gone full, full circle. You started in Vermilion, um, actually in this house. Yeah, I started here in 1989, and, uh, you know, my dad would park his car in one half of the garage, and then I would get, like, the other half of the garage, and uh, that was... Uh, I did that for almost a year. Then I moved downtown to Cleveland. And um, yeah, I tried to set up a little office over here. I had my own phone line installed and everything. Back then, yeah, that's what you did, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, that's when I hooked up with like Mike Zuter and Billy Morris and, you know, some of the people in Cleveland. I was taking guitar lessons from Neil Zaza then. And it was just a circle of guitar players. And I just hooked up to... You know, different with all the other guys and stuff. So, but what made you fall in love with like this point? Is right away did you say, like the st- when you were holding this guitar, did something just about the structure and everything affect you in a way where I mean, not everybody goes in the direction of making them. So, like, what what, I, what do you think sends you in that direction at that point? My friend uh, Jeff got a uh, Les Paul Standard, nineteen seventy eight. He had a paper out. We were in Bay Village, and. Uh, he saved up, and you know, eight hundred and fifty dollars, whatever, and bought a Les Paul, and it was just like the coolest guitar ever. Um, I mean, the action was good, and it just got me into like I I couldn't afford one then. I loved the guitar, and it was all wood, and I just thought, you know, maybe I could make one. So I kind of got interested in woodworking early on in school, and um, and that's when the guitar building passion really started off was in high school. I have my first guitar that I ever built in high school upstairs. And this is actually the uh, the double neck I did. The necks are cut off, but that's it sitting over there. Yeah, we'll get a, no, we'll get a picture of it. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's body. <clears throat> but yeah, I did that in high school, Bay High School in 1984. And, uh, but, you know, you graduate <clears throat> high school and you kind of like, well, all your friends are going to college and your family and everybody thinks you're supposed to go to college. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, I worked some stupid jobs for a couple of years. Um, and then <clears throat> somewhere around 89, I just decided that uh, I wanted to try it. And I always had that mindset, like it was just burning inside me that I wanted to build guitars. And I figured, you know what, if I fail, fine but at least i know i tried and here i am so at that point in time where did you get the research you can't there was no internet or nothing to research that way where did you learn how to actually do one of these like what yeah in bay village um there was a guitar store called village music and they were the gibson dealers and uh they were right down the street from where i lived and i would go in there i took guitar lessons there and stuff i would torture these guys asking them like (laughs) How do they figure out where the bridge goes? Oh. And like, you know, 
how to paint and everything else. So that was your resource. You would just go there and ask questions and think, figure it out. Yeah, and then when I started to try and build guitars, <clears throat> I mean, when you're 20 years old, <clears throat> it just seems like you can run uphill, run uphills both ways. Oh, yeah. And you just have all that stupid energy that you just, you don't care if you're doing it wrong or stupid or whatever. Um, I definitely had like a lot of learning curves. Um, and there are a thousand different ways to build guitars. And um, I just sort of blazed my way through it and made mistakes and learned as I went along. And I fucked up a lot of things. You know, I've, I've gone through truss rods, I've cracked things, and it's just. Well, like when you okay, so that so basically you you start building guitars here in the garage, and then you and then you go and you get a place down by Slavic Village, basically out that way between Sla on Union, basically, right? Sixty nine twenty Union Avenue. Yeah, it's a little, it's kind of a rough area, but I mean, it's it, but but you needed low income at the time, I mean, low rent and stuff that was suited you perfectly. Now, What's crazy about that place is that's where I met this guy that uh, started fabricating my truss rods. I've had a guy from Cleveland making my truss rods for 30 years. Oh. And I met him in that building. He worked for the people that owned the building, and he was just uh, basically a genius back then. But, you know, he knew how to weld things. I could make you these, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> cool, you know. So, but, but like, yeah, at that so. point, when you decided to do that, when you decided to take that step, how good were you at already at making guitars? I mean, was it were you still basically learning at that point to make them and you said fuck it i'm gonna still i'm just still gonna go ahead and or, or were you pretty com comfortable with what you were where you were at at that point you know what i'm saying you know what's weird is i didn't really play a lot of guitars like in you know from what i went through it's sad really uh there wasn't really a lot of guitars in my circle to like really feed off of and <clears throat> the first couple of guitars i made were train wrecks and then i made that one for zooter and it's uh it was pretty incredible guitar and i didn't even know it i mean i didn't play like mike zooter i don't play like these guys um neil zaza you know all those people but uh um so what'd you do just like you just said you know as far as the action goes you're going to use this as far as the action and i, and I just, I just tried to get shit as low as i possibly could you know i level the frets i crown the frets i i get the nut tweaked perfect and get it all level and set up whatever it needs and hope that uh it's gonna be decent but you know that's the one unique thing about making guitars is it's if i started out making a a cabinet for a kitchen when it's done it's going to react the same on a thousand different cabinets, you know. Right, right, right. But you make a guitar, and you don't know until you finish it, string it up, how it really resonates or how it uh, is going to sound. But so there's no like real science to this at all, is there? I mean, like you, the, the science is just in what the, the 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 standard things that you know in your mind that you do. John Hill does to his guitars, but at the end, you 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 can't like say, well, based on what I've done here, th this should be the tone of it. You don't know that so much, or does that is that part of it too? Can you do that? You know what I mean. I just try and use the best ingredients I can to like give yourself the best shot. Okay. It's uh you know you try and at eighty percent. Like there are tone woods, there are woods that will resonate sound more than other kinds of woods that dampen the sounds. But sometimes when you're building a bass, you want those dampened sounds. Oh yeah. 
you you might not want it uh, so bright and whatever. Like so, it's sometimes it's the type of wood. Like this is Karina layweight mahogany. It's just gonna have sustain and it's a, really a great wood to make guitars out of. Um, so if someone comes to you with a guitar that they want made and they're explaining certain things to you and they're like, I like this tonality, I'm looking for this, you can kind of in your head go, well, this would be the wood that we would then use and that would get you started in that direction, basically. Yeah, I always like to do uh, a background check on people and um, find out what they've been playing, <clears throat> what style of music they've been playing. And you can kind of tell if they're Ibanez people or if they're ESB people or, you know, I can... Kind of and narrow it down there, a little bit. Yeah, you get enough information, and you can with that you can kind of build a guitar. Yeah, you want to make sure the weight's right. It's gonna like if somebody goes from like, oh man, I've been playing a telly, and then all of a sudden they want like a twenty-seven fret, seven-string whatever. You just want to make sure that they understand it's totally different than what they're playing now. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but at this point, my portfolio I think just sort of speaks. Well, uh, yeah, the way I want to have it really is just I, I don't like to go out and sell my shit or oversell it or whatever i really just want people to play it and make their own judgments or decisions and sometimes you know it's not uh the players are different you know like i don't know it's just uh but i really try to build the best every time as much as i can how everything's glued and how the frets are put in um and at the end of the day, I think they put out a pretty good product. So. Yeah, well, yeah, and and you've been doing this so long. I mean, at this point now, you have a probably I would imagine a certain set of things that you just do that makes your guitar your guitar that separates you from everybody else, right? I mean, like this, there's the, I'm sure there's people that have dealt with you enough where they could pick up your guitar and go, oh, this is a this is one of John's guitars. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm sure you've gotten to the point now through all this time doing it where you are, have a signature that makes you you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i proud of that. Um, I, I've worked pretty hard. I've been bounced around the industry, and uh, I I try and keep things on the, on the down low anyway. I, I just don't want to – I can only build so many guitars a year, so – I'm I'm not trying to be a, a full-blown retail store where I can just get people in here all day long every day. You know, my kids here, so it's like I gotta uh, keep it kind of. Yeah, cause you're by yourself building this, really. I mean, it, it, this is just you, right? I mean, I, at this point, you just it's just you doing it, and that's it. Right. One at a time. I mean, yeah. it's not, you can only do so much. I do have uh, Carl, my one worker, kind of like flex time, basically. He'll come in and help me sand and buff and things um, but other than that yeah it's pretty much me and uh, I do the wiring I do the fret work and the assembly work and obviously building the guitar um, I got into making my own pickups I can show you that too uh, oh really and then obviously I just got the new CNC router it's yeah, we're not, actually we'll go in there and we'll show them that router, the, that whole entire setup you got in there, which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, what, what brought you full circle though? Because with some of the things that I know is that at one point you did go work for Dean Guitars. Yeah. So that real quick, I like to tell people that story about how you you know were 
if you started off doing it in business for yourself and you were making guitars, but at some point you were kind of lured away into going and making guitars for another company. Yeah. What, what happened there? Yeah, so sometime around 94, um, I had built up the shop to like pretty respectable size, but I really was still struggling financially and um, it was tough. And this company called Tropical Music um, contacted me about bringing the USA Dean line back. Um, at the time in 94, Zelinsky sold it in 87 or 88, 90, somewhere in there. And this tropical music took over. They got rid of any USA guitars and they were just like Korean import guitars. Mm. And their sales were going down and this, they lost Dimebag Daryl in the middle of all this stuff. That's when Dimebag went to Washburn. And uh, so they wanted to get some USA production and they tried having some other ghost builders build the stuff. And I got a phone call from this guy and he came out to the shop and checked things out. And they just like, you know, we want to open up something down in Florida. We want you to be a part of it. And um, I don't know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. But, and <laughs> well, yeah, you weren't exactly booming at the time. Things were slow, it was struggling. And yeah. so you were like, well, this is my, this, 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 this could catapult me a little bit, maybe probably. Yeah, I took people down there that are still working for Dean, uh, Pat Baker and Dan Russell. Um, so uh, we're still good friends, hopefully. And um, it's, there's definitely a lot of history with me and Dean. And, but, you know, that went for about two and a half years. I was down in Plant City, Florida, and uh, maybe three years. And it just wasn't working financially. And I wasn't really part of the business side of it. I was just hired to be the production guy, uh -huh. you know. So the business was kind of failing, the business model. So they ended up selling it, um, the Dean name, everything, to Elliot. Uh, Rubinson, who owned Thoroughbred Music. He's got this Armadillo distribution. Uh, they, they were distributed for like D-Drum and Nord keyboards and whatever. And uh, so he took over and he revamped the whole line and he did an incredible job. But he put like millions and millions of dollars into it. And, um, and then Dimebag died and their sales went through the roof and... Uh, oh, timing. Yeah, so... I had moved back. It had been about 10 years. And I did a little side work for them. And then they made me an offer to move down there and set up their USA stuff because they were having things ghost built and stuff at the time. Um, so, again, I, I don't know if it was a good decision or not, but I ended up doing it. And I went, I called Dean 1 and Dean 2. So Dean 1 was Plant City and Tropical Music. And then Dean 2 was Tampa with uh, Elliot. And um, we made, you know, I mean, they still are making some great guitars over there. There was definitely some tension there towards the end. But uh, I just left. And I moved back and started over again. And here How I long ago was that now? You were, you, you need 2010. That 10, somewhere in there. And, yeah. you've been, and you've been slowly got, getting building your way back up and doing well, doing quite well. I mean, yeah, as bootleg, I'm up to like 220 guitars. No kidding. Yeah. So I'm, I do like maybe 20 a year. And um, I just want to keep it that way. Um, I photo uh, story, whatever, 
I try to take as many pictures of building them as possible. Oh, so man. when you buy the guitar, you've got all these pictures of somebody actually building it, you know. And you and when you're saying you're building it, like sometimes you're just building like some of these are just stock guitars that you're building that they're they're just for sale. You 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 create it in your head or whatever, build it, and then you're like, and then you also well, people can special order your guitar, or custom made, make the guitar specifically for them. Yeah, um, I'm trying to stock as many parts in different um, stages as I can. Like I've got extra bodies stashed under here. I've got neck blanks out in the garage. Um, now these bodies, where, where do these come from? Are you building all these bodies too by hand and everything? And and, and when you like do yeah, that, of course. are they, okay, so what, what I want to know is, yes. are these all just standards that are John Hill standards basically? This body here, so this is like a Les Paul body. I call it the Hilltop. Alder, it's got a little rustic, uh, they call it rustic now, but it's hard to find alder without knots in it and stuff. And, um, and this is and this is where it's glued. These, so these are two pieces that are actually glued together. Yeah, it's a maple wow. top. <laughs> it's got a little walnut veneer. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, the longer these things sit, the wood dries out more, and they do get more resonant. It takes about five to seven years for wood to really reach... Uh, so that's all part of it too, and and then so I think so. So where do you get your maple from? How does how does that all work? I mean, where, I I work with uh, I buy a lot of stuff from Appalachian Lumber. They're out in Bedford, but they're like a big distributor, and um, I've just been buying stuff from them for so, years. So someone who's reputable with you that you can trust, because I would think that that. <clears throat> Oh yeah, you, you got, have to trust this this kind of part. Yeah, it's got to be kiln dried properly and air dried properly. The season technically is the word uh, that I like to use, but um, I um, I've just tried to keep a relationship with the like when I finish something, I send them pictures like, hey, this is what I built with the oh, yeah. stuff that you helped me get, you know. And uh, they'll let me go in on a Saturday and they'll pull a whole bunk of stuff aside and they'll just with the other, with some other dude and they'll just let me filter through whatever I need and. You know, pick out what I want. How much of your life is this? Like, 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 as far as like, as your time, I'm like, I'm like, this is your life, basically, isn't it? Like, you build guitars. Yeah, I can't keep up with everything, honestly. Uh, like, I do all the web page stuff, I do all the e-commerce stuff, and you know, social media crap, and obviously everything else. But it's like, uh, um, that's why I can only do so much at this point. So I'm just trying to build up some stock and some inventory and just sell a couple of guitars a month, basically. And, um, this thing's bugging me. <laughs> you assume it. No, who, I, you know, who built this? One, <laughs> one question I do have for you is like, we were just talking a little bit ago and you, and you were, we were saying like, you, you've created now like a signature John Hill. Okay. I think so. But what, at what point do you think that became a thing for you where, you know, it's not just the fact that you, you got to that point, but then it was recognized by others that this was something that was unique. And, and so at some point, I'm, I'm imagining that there was a point where it happened. It just, everything kind of all happened. What, what would you say that point was? Hard yeah. to say? Um, yeah. I, I never really looked at it that way. Um, I just... Uh, it's the people that you kind of get involved with at the time. Like, you know, when I got with, uh, sort of doing stuff for Dave Matthews and 
you know, that was the thing. Like Dean won in Plant City. I had Slayer, Tom Araya from playing my bass, and they didn't give a shit. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy. So it's the music industry is so fucked sometimes that I just uh So what do you think of, why do you think that happened like that? Would you think do you think it's because you have a person who's now in charge of this operation and then there's this guy over here who might be even more respected because of what he does and it irritates this person so that I think there's like a confliction there, a jealousy almost type thing? They hired a guy that was a drummer to run it. And it was like a corporate decision. It wasn't like, yeah, let's right. do what's best. When you own a brand like Dean Guitars, all you really are is like you're the curator of that brand. And that's your name that's really behind it all. Right. I, I think that, uh, you know, you're a steward to the industry. You're a steward to the brand name. So let me, let me I could look at this guitar, man. We, when we came in, it the first thing we were looking at was this guitar. And yeah, I just finished this. Yeah, the first thing you said, I just finished this V. It's so nice, man. It's so absolutely beautiful. Um, can, we get, can you get it in it? It. Uh, so this is the last thing you nice. finished? This was, this was the most recent one? Yeah, I just put it together. I still have to, like, notch the saddle here. You know, you got to put a little notch in there, otherwise those strings, you know. Oh, yeah. I see. Uh but uh, and you got to do that by hand. You basically just notch it out by hand. Yeah, there's little needle files over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, there's so much involved in a guitar. I don't think people realize it. Really, I mean, so many little things that have to be just right, right? I mean, like, isn't that isn't that the one thing about a guitar that makes it so like unbelievable? Is the precision of every little thing. It's, it's, I think you know, it's some people want custom stuff. And I call them like decorators. Uh, it's really, they don't really play guitar that much. They just want a guitar. It's got like a seafoam green paint job and, you know, some kind of retro look to it. And uh, it's not, it's dressing them up basically. Yeah. So I always try and dress them up to what I think is stylistic, so to speak. Um, but people do get crazy with... Uh, you know, they. I could do more binding and more inlay work, and uh, you know, make it more complicated. But then they're just more expensive. Yeah. And I always try to build stuff that's for the real player, that's just looking for a sweet guitar, and not looking for something boutique. Uh, the boutique industry is just so weird right now. Well, when it comes to the shape of a guitar, how much does the shape matter? So like if someone comes in, they have some uh, a crazy shape that they want. Yeah. Can you make anything pretty much happen as far as the shape of the body goes? And and with that, yeah. how does that affect sound? Does it or does it? Uh, just the sound of their wallet, you know, <laughs> cracking open. Um, okay. Yeah, I did that George Lopez guitar. That was kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Um, the big head guitar, and um, yeah, it's like if they want to pay for it, I don't care. Yeah, some of the some of the people you've done guitars for, a lot of them been on our show. Dougie Manros, you did you did I think you did two. How would you do for him? One or two? Two, yeah. Yeah, two for him. Yeah. And he's he's doing quite well with those guitars. Yeah, he's playing all over. Yeah, he's he just with tough. Yeah, he just got in with tough. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. And he, well, he's 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 one of the exceptions out there too. He's he's really yeah. Good. It's crazy. He came to me. He was like eleven years old or something with a little crayon sketch. 
Really? I want a Rhodes V <laughs> and had like, you know, like, all right. So I hooked him up and, uh, um, Butch Armstrong did, did some for Ed Stevens. He did a bass for Ed, I believe. Yeah. Um, Ben, Ben Nieves, uh, Michael Bay, Michael Barrick, uh, Paul Lewis, uh, obviously Billy, Aaron Atkins, one of my, Favorites. I was trying to get Aaron Atkins out here today, but what about Neil Zaza? Did you ever do a guitar for him? Since, since... You know what? I never built him a guitar, but <laughs> wow. he was uh, he was in with Hamer really tight oh. way back in the day, and um, I can't give guitars to people just like a one way street, you know. Yeah. Um, Joe Walsh was kind of a highlight. Yeah, that's definitely um, a good one. Tom Araya from Slayer, Scotty Hill from Skid Row. Robbie Merrill from Godsmack, and obviously Stefan from Dave Matthews Band. And um, that's really, I'm proud of the fact that all those guitars got played on tour, live, studios, whatever it is. Um, they didn't just sit in somebody's collection somewhere. Right. The guitar I made for Scotty Hill, he played the shit out of it for like five years straight. And people think that I did some kind of factory distressed thing on it and like no that's just for him playing it you know <laughs> that's real yeah they want me to replicate it like, well, you're gonna have to play as much as Ed do yeah. <laughs> but honestly that's the thing it's um Dave Matthews it's on a lot of stuff that they recorded these basses uh, and you can never unchange that part of history and that's really uh yeah, proud of that. Basically. Yeah, so so and that's the other thing too. When you do these guitars for people, a lot of times the feedback afterwards is, is pretty positive, right? I mean, like they come back and they're like, "Oh my god, dude, I love this guitar." <clears throat> you know, you you you're that guy. Right? I, I've got some pretty heavy compliments. Yeah. Um, and uh, you put your time in, man. Yeah. It's an incredible story. Yeah. What well, it is? It's an incredible story of like, I mean, I, not to sound corny, but it's a lot of perseverance. What I, you know, of like. Like you, like you would, this was your passion and you just weren't going to, I mean, you did, you, you took some other jobs along the way to make ends meet type thing and stuff. And you always came back. You always came back to the guitars. Right. Always, I figure, you know, I kind of half failed the guitar building, you know, I'll try and do like the real job and go work somewhere. And it's just like a total disaster. I'm making like 12 bucks an hour. And I'm like, I could be delivering pizzas and then people are like, you're wasting your life. You should get back into building guitars. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, but, um. At this point, I've pretty much devoted my whole adult life to it, so I'm not going to stop. Yeah, this it's is a, this is what you do. That's why I'm spending money in the garage and uh, yeah, you know, good segue. So I was just going to get to that. I was like, well, why don't we why don't we move this into the garage and show uh, show them what you got going on there? Sure, let's take a look. All right, let's take a look. All right, you're listening to Level Up Cleveland. What's going on, Level Up listeners? Signal Flow Studios is a Cleveland recording studio founded in 2013, located in the steel yard just down the hall from Brian and Pat at Level Up Cleveland. At Signal Flow, we pride ourselves in offering top quality audio and a great recording experience to artists here in town and from across the country. But what makes us unique at Signal Flow is our undivided attention to the people who keep us going. That's you, the artists. So come on in and let us make your music our top priority. You can book online at www.signalflowstudio.com or give us a call at 216-920-2075. We'll see you soon. All right, so here we are inside the shop, I guess we could call this, right? I mean, this is kind of like the shop area. Yeah, this and is it. this is your new toy. Yeah, this is the, uh, the elephant in the room. Literally. Um, 
and uh, it's not quite running, but I'm pretty close. So here, I'll fire it up for you guys. Let's see what happens. See if we get electrocuted. Yeah, hopefully other things. <laughs> I had a little desktop CNC router and I cut a lot of stuff with it, but um, I really needed something that was a little more uh, up to date. Um, and it says auto tool changer and vacuum clamp system. So it just had some things on it that I some features. Make, my, make my life a little easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a big router basically is what it is, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's just, just cuts wood. Exactly. It's just a router. Yeah. And you got to tell it where to route and how to route out all those little sections. And um, it's not like it's automatic, but uh, it somebody calls me up and they want like two humbuckers or three humbuckers or a humbucker and one single coil or whatever the heck the you know, I can just kind of click those different operations on and off and make them whatever they want. You know, if they want the knob in a different spot, um, it's going to move. And you just had, you just got this, what, a week or two ago? This, this came to me. <laughs> Last Friday, the truck showed up in a big crate out there. I had to rent a forklift, and uh, it took some time to kind of work it back in here. And uh, we had to cut the ceiling out over here. You can see all these the floor. Yeah, um, put it in. Yeah, we spent some time like drywall and insulating and just kind of getting prepared for it. But uh, we're almost done setting it up. I probably need another three or four days until I'm really cutting stuff. A lot of people are really interested in building guitars, and there's a lot of different corners of it. Some people just like the woodworking side of it. Like they just want to use the joiners, the table saws, and wood glue and clamps. Fun and, to them. It's like a good time. Right. And then the other part of it is like the crazy detail work, like doing side dots and putting the frets in and fret crowning and uh, nuts. And that's like the really, you know, takes a little... Tedious. Uh, it's kind of a tedious work. Yeah. And then there's wiring and electrical stuff. Um, you now making the pickups, obviously. And then there's all the paint work. Um, you know, sanding in between coats and finish sanding it and getting it prepped and painting it properly and getting it puffed out. You know, I still have problems. You know, it's not. What's your favorite perfect. part to doing? Like, do you have a favorite part of building a guitar where you're <laughs> like, this is the part I like, and then you have a part where you kind of dread? I like buying the wood. You know? <laughs> buying it. Yeah. Um, I love going out shopping for wood and spending way too much money on stupid things. And what are you, are you looking for grain? Are you looking for certain specific things? And you get excited sometimes when you find certain things? Yeah, there's, um, well, I look for curly maple, you know, and stuff, um, things I can build guitar stuff out of. But old maple, anything that's been sitting in somebody's house for 50 years would be great. Um, but I just keep my eye open and just try and buy when I can. You see it, it's like, you can't say no sometimes, you know. It's right. like, but for what you do, especially because you don't know when you're going to see something like that again, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah you got to have it. But that's that's the favorite part. What's your least favorite part about building a guitar? It's the part where you're always like, oh. winding pickups. Uh, yeah, we just saw um, that. Yeah, right. And uh, my back is pretty rough, so it's hard to buff guitars out. That's probably why my back is so messed up, anyway. Is buff time. You're you're holding guitars for like hours and hours. Yeah, right. I've tried sitting down on things and propping my leg up, and it just wrecks my back. Um, I don't, it's hard to, you know, you got to tape things off, take masking off, like from the binding. There's a lot of details in the middle. and um, Just tedious type stuff where it's like real tedious, yeah. detailed 
attention type work where you got to really pay attention. Right. Sanding is actually kind of fun. It's a more therapeutic because you're really not stressing out about anything. You just takes a while to sand. I just try to do a good job at it. And, um, so. So what's this? What would you say to people? What will this change about how you operate and build guitars? Like, like obviously this wasn't cheap. You know, you, these things don't cost a couple dollars. So you you felt it was important. What 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 do you think will be different? Anything will change as a result of having something like this? Um, yeah, let me let me drop back drop back a little bit. So what this has is uh, this rack on here. It's got all the tools, and what's really nice is I can automatically you know I can set up my program. Like when I do fretboards, I use three different tool changes. I'll use uh, this ball end mill here to like radius the fretboard. This is for the fret slotting bit to cut the front slots and then I'll use like a quarter inch router bit or whatever to you know cut the outside shape of it and this will automatically do the tool changes and if I hit this button so what it'll do now is it'll automatically grab tool 8 and it'll discharge this tool and then it'll grab tool 8 wow and like then this, seconds. right, and then this is a little uh, touch sensor. It'll automatically touch the tool length that it. So it knows how it, when it's drilling and stuff, what it's, where it's, yeah. how far in it's really going. Yeah. So I did the tool change thing, but really it's just a tool. The program I just ran was to touch off this tool, but you can see how the tool change works, basically. Wow. Neat, man. Very cool. Yeah, I need to tweak a few things. I'm still like, uh, you know, there was a couple of minor things, but for the most part, um, this is a vacuum table also, so it's called vacuum clamping, and I got these two big-ass vacuum pumps up there. It sucks the parts down to hold them, so all I got to do is put a block of wood up here, and it sucks the block of wood down. Wow. Machine out whatever I want and flip it over, machine the back, and... Um, you don't have to use any tape or clamps or anything like that. Right, I was using like carpet tape and I'd use drywall screws and uh, press clamps and just all kinds of wacky shit. And it was just every time, the press clamps are cool, but every time you're doing something different. So you're always having to move them around, put them in different positions and stuff. But this will make it a lot easier for me just to do this part of it. Um, you know, still a shit ton of sanding and all the detail work. And that's kind of what I want to focus more on so I can be more productive to build guitars. I'm not trying to take over the world on guitar building, but um, I just want to make it a little easier on myself. Yeah, right. And the old router's about to quit, and what am I going to do without that thing? Yeah, you right. Know, I had to get a new router. Absolutely. And uh, some opportunity came up, and uh, I was going to get one without a tool changer, but I'm like, I got to get the tool changer, Yeah. even though it was a stretch financially. but. Well, like you said, I mean, like there's certain times where you'll have a, a neck there or whatever, and you need three different things, and you'd have to manually change it each time. You lose time. I mean, that's, and, and as you build these guitars, that's a lot of time to lose it. That yeah. was like five seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it really is It's crazy. fun to watch, really. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I'll get you guys back out here when I'm into cutting something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to come back out here. We could make a quarterly trip out of this place, man. Just come out here and... Yeah. See where you're at with it all. I mean, this is excellent, man. This yeah. is great. Let me shut this off now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, if people want to buy a guitar, 
How do they? What do they do? Are they? You know, how do they? How do they? Um, do the first move. Typically, I just need to know what what they really want. You know, like uh, I basically build um, a version of a lot of popular styles. So if you're into single cut, or maybe you want some kind of vintage strat, or maybe you want a Floyd Rose super shredder, it's like you know you start with one of those kind of designs. And then, then they'll tell me like if they want uh, you know flame maple top or if they want a paint job on it, uh, custom inlays, what kind of fretboard. You can pick out the neck options. You know I do bolt on or set neck or neck through stuff. Oh yeah. So you can kind of whatever shape I build, you could do uh, any one of those versions. You know, if you want a set neck telly, I could do a set neck telly. Or if you want a neck through telly, I could do a neck through telly. Just, you know, it, the sky's the limit pretty much. Like, that's what I'll show in the neck planks I got down here. Um, let me pull a few things out. Yeah, now the neck planks, basically, those are just the, the chunks of wood, that, the raw material that makes the neck. There's an actual one that's got, yeah. That's a Carino with rosewood. Um... Then I got like, and, and 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 if you look like these are you, neck through yeah if you're looking he's he's actually making all these like this is all being just routed all out until it forms that neck it's all one piece yeah pretty wild man yeah so I see it see all that stuff yeah you know I see it see the back I get the dovetail all set up so it fits nice neck through you know like this one's got some nice flame maple. And like this neck blank has been sitting, hold on, sometimes, yeah, since 2018. I mean, you can. And what, and what determines just rubbing, when you're going to bring rubbing. this thing out? Like, when are you going to, how do you, you said it's been there since 2018? Is it just. Well, nobody's ordered one yet. Is that what it is? I got you. Okay. And, um, but, uh, yeah, you just rub the wood and you can hear it. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I never thought about it like that. So that's, that's, you yeah. can, wow. You know, you go to Home Depot and you grab a two by four, it, it might sound different, you know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I got my planer over here. It's a little dusty, but uh, that's a helical head, 15 inch, whatever. Um, so, I get a nice smooth cut when I'm cutting like exotic woods and stuff like that. It doesn't rip it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I got a table saw underneath all this crap over here. This is my main bench, which is just sort of buried because I had to reconfigure my life right now. Then I got an edge sander. There's a joiner back behind here and drill press on the floor over there. That's pretty much all I need, man. So yeah, right now, so right now you're still getting this all this to where it's going to be. Yeah, even though I started here like 30 years ago or whatever, it's a process. Um, Is it weird being in here now, man, kind of like, was or was it there for a little while where you come back in here and you're you know, finding funny. The, I was one of the guys that worked for Out of the Blue. Um, his name was Bob. I don't know where he is now, but he drove one of the beer trucks. And he would deliver beer to the store next door. And he'd stop here and sell me like a case of Molson. <laughs> I had a refrigerator out here. And I just, uh, it's great. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird, you know, obviously. Um, full circle, I think. Um I just wish it was a little bigger. We're gonna build out the courtyard a little bit and try and make a little room over there. And then I got the second floor going on. I'm 
things go well, I could build above here um, or just get another building somewhere. But I'm trying to milk this situation for as long as I can. Well, like you said, if you're by yourself, you don't need a lot of space. You just need places for you to work. Right, right. I really, uh, this is really all I need, honestly. Excellent. Um, this has been, this has been really, uh, this has been more than I expected. Really neat what you got here. It's amazing how this works and how much goes into it. Just walking around and seeing, it's, it's excellent. I mean, it's just it's mind blowing. Yeah. So anybody that wants to buy a guitar, how would they get in touch with you to do so? Okay. Just, so well, obviously they just go to the website right. and send me an email. Okay. Um, there's contact information or whatever. Um, and you have some of the guitars up on the site, the, the ones that you have finished. Reverb. Already? I got some uh, stuff on Reverb. Okay. Okay. Um, and I always have something that's uh, in stages. These are sold. That's sold. You know. But sometimes I have a neck sitting around or body, so I get things done sooner than later because right. uh, they always want to know how quick they can get it too. And you know, how much does it cost? And then how soon, and uh, depending on how custom they want it, you know. So, I so you find ways to, to get yourself the process to a point where you're not always starting from zero with everything exactly. to help speed up the process a little bit. Yeah, because, you know, a neck through a neck blank like this, you want it to sit for a while. I mean, one of the first mistakes I made in this garage, the first five guitars, I did maple neck through neck blanks. And I didn't let them sit long enough. I glued it together. You know, you glue this together in one block and you cut out something that looks like this right here. And you get this big cutoff. And the neck's going to warp and twist and do all these weird things. And I just cut it and glued the fretboard on. And like a week later, they just all bent like crazy. Wow. And um, so I learned that, you know, whenever you cut like material away, you kind of have to let it reacclimate to itself. And, um, so I, you know, you want to cut it to as skinny as you're gonna. The final size is gonna be, and then you just want to let it sit as long as possible. And it looks like some old, dirty ass thing that people would throw away, but you can always clean it up and turn it into what it becomes, right? I mean, that's it, man. Yeah, once you put some sandpaper to it, it's just like. Uh, yeah. So that's really. Uh, All right, man. Well, the gist of it. Thanks for letting us come down and check this all yeah, out. Yeah, thanks for coming. I know out. you're not like in the perfect stage right now. You're saying like it's not like <laughs> oh everything's done, but you can still let us in there to see it, and I think that's awesome. And dude, yeah. I think people are gonna love to see what you got going on, and I think I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are happy to know that you're still doing it and you're doing it back here and you're doing you're doing them. You buy, you know, you are making. Right, I've been to Florida back so many times. People, you know, they they don't know that I'm here. Yeah, right. Some people probably I, think you might even be still there. Right, but. I, I like that sometimes too. You yeah, know. right. I almost feel like I'm off the grid out here. Like my cell phone, you know, they finally put in a new cell service out here or something. But for years, I couldn't get any cell service out here. Oh, yeah, you could throw a rock from to the lake from here almost. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. Right, you're right by the lake. It's right? nice being by the lake, you know, get yeah. to hear the waves and yeah, man. smell it. Yeah, right now it's a little cooler here than it is everywhere else. Well, that's kind of good in a way. All right. Well, thanks again, John. Yeah, yeah. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you guys. Next week. This has been Level Up Cleveland. There's a new episode every week. Available now on all streaming services. You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube. Till next week, rock on.
That'll be fine.